On today's episode of Sports and the World, we talk about relationships, the NCAA, my WWE report, and my big picture. That's today on Sports and the World. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us. And how you're listening to us, whether it's through Anchor or Apple and Google Podcasts, thank you for making sports and the world a part of your day. I'm the Darius Brown, and I hope all of you have had a great week so far. And if not, I hope that it gets better and that the next week be better as well. And before we lead off, a quick programming note. I want to talk about the state of sports in the world on this particular day on Friday. I realized that now that, you know, I'm doing the podcast on Tuesdays, I realized that, you know, it comes in seasons podcast. How did I realize that? Because I was, this is true. I was walking to the store, as I always do, and I listen to the radio. And and I heard that Ron Burgundy show, you know, the Ron Burgundy podcast, excuse me, coming for season two. And I'm like, wait, so podcast comes in seasons. And so I realized that right now, even though this is the 19th episode, this is essentially what I'm doing. This is actually the 14th episode of Sports in the World. So I reached a conclusion on the walk and I put some great thought into it. And so I said, you know, the season finale of this season of Sports in the World, not the ones on Tuesday, but the ones on Friday, I will probably do at least because we're on episode we're on episode I believe 15. So in essence, I like odd numbers. So probably I'll probably do two more. So I'll probably do one next week and the following week, and then I'll be the end of the season. And but the football season will last all the way through next year. And then at some point I I'll bring back Sports in the World on Fridays. Because I don't want to take up your time. Your time's important. And I want to take up, inundate your time. And so, with that, so once again, I'll probably release more information through social media and and give you more as the, you know, for an exact date. So, with that long, long lead-in, I want to talk about this. You know, in the world we live in, we have relationships. We form relationships. We create relationships and become indulged in relationships. Whether it's through your marriage, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, your spouse, however the dynamic is, relationships are important. And in sports, it's no different. And also, listen, when you're in the business world, people make those relationships that people bank on for relationships to work. And so it had me curious. So what I did was that I, as I always do, I did some research and I found something on Time Magazine. It came from Belinda Lunscombe. And it came from September of 2017. And she talks about Brian Olosky and who Mr. Olosky is that he's an associate professor in human development and family studies at the University of Illinois Urbane-Champaign. And he looked at everything published in the academic realm about relationship maintenance since 1950, then identified the most commonly used strategies for sticking together. And that's what I want to talk about. You know, what, what, how do we keep things together? Because you read about, listen, there's a Miley Cyrus and one of the Hemsworth, don't take me to the bank on which one, Liam Hemsworth, I believe, broke up. She ends up in the south of France somewhere with another, look, you guys know. But, and it made me talk about relationships. How do we sustain, because you read about how it breaks up, but you never really, well, how you keep together, like the, Rita Wilson and the Tom Hanks type marriage. 
that one that I absolutely love. I love both of them individually and them together. We don't hear enough about those. So that's what I want to What makes it work? How do you maintain it, sustain it? So, simply put, Oloski and his team found key things. He focused on that, listen, it's, it goes according to motive. It's those that stop it from it from falling apart and those that actually nurture it. So what he's basically saying leads into point two, that both individuals and couples have a role to play. That is to say that it's what individuals and sometimes it's what the couple does that keeps the flame going. That spark, that certain je ne sais quoi that keeps it going. I took French. I wanted to just show it off there. But, so these are the conclusions that were reached from this study, from the individuals and the couples and things that they do to avoid breaking up and do to improve the partnership. So I want to talk about what the individual does to avoid breaking up and then the couple and then I'll alternate. So what the individuals do to avoid bringing up is they belittle or ignore the alternatives. This is just, it sounds like a huge negative, right? But here's the thing. And this is what they're doing here is, listen, we're gonna focus on this. This is the core. You know, there could be alternative, there could be other things to do it, but we're gonna figure it out this way. And then secondly, you idealize or idolize the, the partner and the relationship. So who you're with, you treat them sort of like a deity. You worship them. That's how you avoid breaking up because if they feel like, oh, you're just some other person, then then you your bags may be on the doorstep. So, and that's something that, listen, I guarantee you that's why half relationships do break up. But thirdly, interpret your partner's behavior in a positive way listen not every man men and women were not created that's in genetics that's in anything behavior is no different look you got some who's on you know i won't say the word you know we'll just say unique and their personalities are more unique so don't look at it as oh man he or she is this and he or she is that no, that's why you're together. That's what makes it work. It's just, listen, go look at, look, the reason why it didn't work out in Pittsburgh and with Antonio Brown is, look, Pittsburgh said, listen, this is a, de- a deterrent to our football team. And plus they weren't winning. So if they were winning, you can look at it a positive way. If not, oh, it's a distraction. So think of it in that context. But however, this is what couples do to avoid breaking up. You manage the conflict. You sit down, you mediate, you figure it out. And get to a, a resolution. You forgive. Listen, if there's two or more people in a situation, blame should be placed. Even if it's 95 to 5. Because no one person walks through a situation innocent. Like even if you take a sliver of the blame. You forgive and vice versa. Forgive one another and you move on. And then you sacrifice. This is something that to me, this is, listen, this is why I think the number one reason why people don't stick together. It could be because something I'm going to talk about in the final segment, but sacrifice is right up there because you know why? Nobody is willing to give up anything. How do I know that? It is that when you ask somebody to give up, say, possessions they're not going to give it up because they feel like oh it's important to me and we know that but if someone else is willing to give up then that was important to them shouldn't you do it and I'm not only talking about material stuff but your time sacrifice your time because I think I talked about this if not I'll dive into it real quickly the difference between when you're making time and you finding time. When you find time, you're discovering it, you're looking for it. When you make the time, you're creating it. You're creating the time. When you create something, it's by your hands, 
It's important because it's special. That's how you should do. You make the time. And then you help one another out. And then you by alleviating each other's stress. To me, it all links together. Simply put, you help one another by getting rid of some of the stress. I'm not saying you go out and, you know, beat up somebody. But no, help your partner alleviate their day. Listen, this is not just applicable to relationships. Your friendships, your business relationships, because stress causes a number of problems. Financial stress, mental stress, physical stress. It's all stress. You know, according to, you know, you stress is positive stress. But in the situations like this, it's just straight up stress. And quickly, what individuals do to improve their partnership Think of it in terms of the team. It's not about you and me. It's about us. You're generous. Once again, ties into sacrifice. And you're grateful and you show it. Listen, I don't tell people how to show how grateful they are about something or someone. But it's important that people feel that it's that they're important. And I can't stress that point enough. People are going to tell you, oh, I want to feel important. No, people want to feel important, even if it's doing something little, and we'll delve into that as we progress. And sometimes you pray for your partner, and if you're not a person of faith, you believe in your partner. You you know, trust your partner. Listen, trust is easier said than done, but you pray for them. You believe in them. Because if you don't believe in them, and if you don't pray for them, Somebody else will. And so and and you wake up and you're wondering why once again your bag is out on the front step. Now, what couples do to improve the relationship is keep the lines of communication open. Look, with any great negotiation, any great deal that's been made in history, you have to talk, you know, keep the lines of communication. Don't close like, I'm not going to talk to you. And you don't talk to me. No. Talk to one another. And then you talk about the relationship. Talk about it. Good, bad, or different. Put it all out there on the table for it to be discussed. And then you can respond to one another. Because by that point, you you keep the lines of communication open. By keeping it open, you can talk about it. And then now you can respond to one another. Good, bad, or different. You lay it all out there. A lot of people... A lot of couples aren't willing to do that. They're willing to go on and just say, oh, I don't want to talk about it. And then they don't figure it out. And then 10, 15 years down the road, they realize maybe we should have talked about it. So that's important. And then sometimes it can get very, very, it can be heated. And it, you know, it may cause great stress. Use humor. Talk, you know, listen, no one has you to be no Kevin Hart. No Melissa McCarthy. No one's asking you to be hilarious, but use humor, break the tension, tell a funny anecdotes, tell something that reminds that when times were good. And that, once again, that's applicable to not just relationship of being together, but business, business relationships, friendships. Because at some point, you need a reason why to stay at that table. Humor is a great reminder of that. And then lastly, you just do some things together that are fun. Simple. Is that don't do things that you that are gonna bog you down. Do something, you know, do some fun things to improve it. You know, even if you go on vacation, you, you you drive the car, you go up to the valley, or you know, I live in Florida, you take and you go, you drive up, you know, to go to the beach. You know, check out some great restaurants that are on the beach, which they are, by the way. You know, go take walks on the do something that's fun for both of you. So if it's fun for you and not for them, don't worry about it. And that goes to relationships, friendship, even business. Do go out, do, do something fun. Take them out to a restaurant. Sell the deal. Talk to them. You listen, people like to laugh. Well, some people do. You talk to one another. You talk about relationships. And you don't close that door of communication. So basically, that's what couples and individuals do to both 
improve the relationship and ways to avoid breaking it up. And the difference is you're to avoid breaking up that you're trying not to lose them as opposed to improving it. You're improving it that you're already in the ship, you're trying to make it better. How you stop it from happening is important. And people understand that's the core difference. And the difference is, is that we're going to be right back. I talk about the NCAA and my relationship with them. That's next year on sports and the world. And welcome back into sports and the world. And if you're listening to us through Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public, I truly do appreciate it. And the social media is at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram, and the Facebook page, Sports and the World, where you can check out the content on there and go to the About tab. You can click the link and listen to this episode and every episode and leave a little voice message here on the show, and I might play it whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And I want to talk about the NCAA. I think no one institution, I could argue, maybe Congress, maybe the government, has had a terrible reputation of handling things like the NCAA. The way it handled the Larry Nasser case from the Jerry Sandusky and Penn State case, the NCAA has taken a huge hit in reputation. Like, nobody thought of, like, this great institution because you, you inherently chose the NCAA to get it right when it comes to kids and athletics. And with this rule that came out that they backtracked on Monday, it really exemplified that, once again, a huge misstep. So on Monday... The NCAA backtracked from new criteria it had imposed on agents representing college basketball players considering the NBA draft, dropping the requirement for a bachelor's degree. That's from Billy Witts of the New York Times. Furthermore, the NCAA said it'll adopt regulations used by the National Basketball Players Association to certify agents, including an option to grant wa- waivers for every prospective agent who does not have a bachelor's degree. So, LeBron's agent, Rich Paul, does not have a bachelor's degree. So, Paul addressed the certification process on Monday in the Atlantic in an op-ed essay. And he basically said he wasn't sure if the rule was intended for him or he was a target of it. He goes on to write that the degree requirement would effectively deter, quote, young people from less prestigious backgrounds and often people of color from representing professional players. I'm going to harken back to that point as I progress. So, listen, the census data shows that, listen, there's been a uptick in the highest on record with those who have bachelor's degrees. However, numerous studies have documented a growing gap along family income lines and an underrepresentation of black and Hispanic students on college campuses. And by the way, the NCAA announced the rules amendment several hours after Paul's essay was was posted on the Atlantic. So a lot of to digest, but this is one thing that stood out to me. Is that First and foremost, there's no doubt in my mind and the minds of others that this rule was clearly targeted at Rich Paul. Rich Paul, you know, opening up a sports department at the United Talent Agency. Listen, he's probably the biggest agent in basketball. He represents LeBron. He represents, I believe, Anthony Davis. He represents studs. And the NCAA, for whatever reason, said, how do we block him? Okay, well, he doesn't have a bachelor's degree. That'll stop it. And that, to me, shows ignorance on the part of the NCAA. Look, full discretion. Listen, I have a bachelor's degree and an MBA. So what they are saying is that even though I may not know the first thing about being a sports agent, I can become a sports agent more than, than Rich Paul. That's ridiculous. 
it's, it's idiotic. He's known what he's done for a long time. LeBron does not hire dumb people. Okay, so when you, so when that rule came out, everybody knew it was targeted at Rich Paul. Everybody knew. Secondly, Rich, you know, Rich Paul makes a great point. And that's what I was going to harp back to. And I'm going to get back to it now. That listen, it will deter young people from less prestigious backgrounds and often people of color represent professional players because here's the thing I understand that you have to you have to have a degree to get certain jobs get certain careers I get that and I understand you can get a sports management degree you can get sports marketing degree I get all of that but some of these people you know listen they're just smart business smart they're savvy and sometimes you may there's no degree for being savvy. Okay, listen. Bill Gates dropped out of school. Elon Musk. Listen, when you put a requirement to say that, so what we're saying is that we shouldn't trust Bill Gates if he dropped out of college. Well, we shouldn't trust the work of Albert Einstein because of school. Listen, if you're smart, you're smart. You're not, you're not. I don't care whether you went to Harvard or Hard Knocks. If you know what you're doing and you've done it for a long time in a consistent manner, I don't care what degree or lack of that you possess. If you can do the job, you do the job. Because not every career, listen, you have to get a piece of paper to prove that you know it. I had a professor speaking that, listen, you just get the piece of paper to prove what you already know. And, and listen, for the NCAA, they did it because they know how big of a threat Rich Paul is. And this NCAA will remind me of two other rules. One related to college and one related to sports. And the one related to college is affirmative action. Listen, affirmative action was put in place to in essence give people of color a chance to go to school on equal footing another equal shot of enrolling in college. Depending who you ask, depending what the numbers you say, it was, you know, it's been wildly successful or wildly, you know, discriminatory. And I lie in the middle. Shocker. I understand the people that say, listen, for the most part, there are a lot of people of color who wouldn't have gotten into Harvard, to Yale, to Stanford, to Princeton, to MIT. Not affirmative action. I acknowledge that. But what I also acknowledge is that it can be seen as reverse discrimination because that ties directly to the population. At that time, in the 50s and the 60s, when this was put into place, the country was still majority. The majority of people were white. The majority of colleges were white. So you had to have something to have equal footing sort of a booster. Affirmative action was that booster. And the rule made absolute sense at that time. My simple point is that as the population shifts from the minority to, to become the majority and, re- and reverse the majority becomes the minority, the now minority is going to say well, this rule was put in place to help minorities. And they can argue that in the next 15 to 20 years that they will very much become the minority. And we've seen, listen, the Abigail Spencer case, the University of Michigan or, or Texas. One of the, I can't recall at the moment. That was an example where I said, that's the flaw of the rule. Because she said, well, well I didn't get it because of her action. You know, I basically because she was white, she didn't get it. Listen, she could argue that point. I'm not saying whether the point at that time, listen, whether it would have great validity or not. But the point is that the mere fact that she was able to take this, this case to the Supreme Court is basically all you need to know the flaws of affirmative action. Because she could argue that she was a minority. She could argue that, listen, you know, whether that she can use that she's a woman or 
that she's what whatever the angle is she used it and that's just as discriminatory as basically saying someone needs a degree to represent these college kids when Rich Paul has been doing it all these years without one and then it reminds me of the Rooney Rule which is put in place to give minorities a chance to become a coaches and to become basically coaches whether it's coordinators assistants and stuff of that nature so from the NFL team media guys listen the percentage of minority head coaching coordinators for head coach there's you know 25% so a fourth of the league had coaches of color that dropped to 12.5% this year offensive coordinator it went up from 3.4 to 7.1 Defensive coordinator didn't really waver from 35.5 to 33.3%. So it didn't really change. This is what I say about the Rooney Rule. Is that the Rooney Rule should not just only be applicable to to coaching, but to ownership. Because, once again, representation. The same point that Rich Paul was saying. Rich Paul basically said the same thing that I agree with this is that listen you can deter young people from less prestigious backgrounds and often people of color from representing professional players listen when you put a requirement that people can't necessarily reach it comes the problem so why can't with the ruling rule it's working in this regard that yes you see the the uptick you know, offensive coordinators, you saw a draconian fallback from head coaches, and you saw the defensive coordinator stayed pretty even keeled. But what we need that in ownership. The league is, is over 70% African American. But yet, there's not one owner, majority owner, who is a minority. You want a representation. I'm not knocking Jerry Jones. Okay, I'm not going to sit and knock Ziggy Wilf, Arthur Blank. I'm not. What I'm simply conjecturing is that it's representation. Is that I could argue that the Rooney Rule, one flaw, is the same, not the same flaw as the Burn of Action. So with the Burn of Action population, or the Rooney Rule, the problem is that now the league is becoming more offensive. And I said that, listen, there's still 7% of coaches who are minority who are offensive coordinators. So, in a league there where you have the Sean McVay, the Sean Payton, you know, offensive-minded coaches, not a lot of minority coaches are. And that becomes the problem. The problem itself is not the rule. It's basically hiring that these owners are hiring people who are off in the background and mind you listen the outlier you can look at look you can look at the situation of Big Fangio in Denver listen you get the, the, the occasional defensive coach hired but for the most part you're looking for that next offensive minded coach the coaches that were hired the Jets or Adam Gates, Zach Taylor from the Cincinnati Bengals. What's the common threat? All offensive background. Brian Flores has a defensive background from Miami. He's a minority. But he has a defensive background. My simple point is this. Every rule has two things. One or the other. Either the rule has flaws but the structure of it is good, like the Rooney Rule. Or you have a rule that clearly, clearly discriminates. That Rich Paul rule and affirmative action is getting, affirmative action is going to get to that point in the next 10, 15, 20 years. As the population changes, so does the application of the rule. That NCAA Rich Paul rule, discrimination against pretty much everybody, but particularly people of color. So, on that note, I'll say that we'll be back 
I'm going to get my WWE report. And that's next on Sports and the World. And welcome back into Sports and the World and social media one more time. It's at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram, Facebook page, Sports and the World. Go to the About tab, click the link, listen to this episode, leave a voice message on the show, and also check out the content on the page as well. And I want to talk about the Raw and SmackDown after SummerSlam. And let's... Listen, let's just say some of it I was surprised about, but one, a couple of things I really want, but I'll get into it. And listen, I want to talk about Raw. I want to talk about Seth Raw. Listen, him being a baby face, if you read the reports or, you know, listen, I don't have a problem with Seth Rollins being a baby face. My simple point is that He's a situation where I'm really split on whether he could be a great heel or a great babyface. As the champion, he has to be the babyface by proxy, unless you put him up against another babyface. And there's about, there's not many that I think are legit contenders for his title at the moment. So, and that leads me to AJ Styles, who I say is that, listen, him and the OC, I wasn't initially so, you know, I said in the beginning, I like these dudes when you put them together, it works, and it meshes together. And when we talk later, you're going to see his next feud, if you want to call it that. Listen, they're bringing back the King of the Ring tournament. My question is, is it a legit tournament or is it just a filler? Just like, okay, we do this until we get to here. But listen, when I look at the names on here, for Raw, they got The Miz, Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, Samoa Joe, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, and Cesaro. You got a nice mix of former champions. You got a nice mix of guys who should be champions. And and you got, you know, you got one guy who I say, you know, the ceiling could, you know, the ceiling is limited. And potentially, I say, ricochet. You know, I think that on the raw... Listen, I've been high on Drew McIntyre. I really have. I think that he should probably be the next guy to face Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. I truly do believe that. I think he's that good. The talent is good enough where that it's watchable. And I'm like, great matches. I look forward to that. But, you know, I, just, I, I like the talent that's there. And for SmackDown, you got Kevin Owens, who we'll talk about later. Ali, Apollo Crews, Chad Gable, Elias, who we'll talk about later. Andrade. And you also have Buddy Murphy and Shelton Benjamin. Listen, I'm not going to say this is a weaker list. But I understand that. But you got that young talent. SmackDown's where you need to build up a lot of talent. You need to push it. And you can push Apollo, you can push Elias, Andrade, Buddy Murphy. You know, Kevin Owens doesn't need to be pushed. And Selton Benjamin, you could push him. So, it's a nice mix of talent. So, I want to see you know, a, a, a great legitimacy. But, here's my thing. When I think of Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn, you know, which one does WWE care about? And we'll find that out, you know, in this tournament. Because this tournament is going to answer a lot of questions I'm going to ask. I, I, I believe it will. Because, quite frankly, you know, Samoa Joe, if you had asked me the question, I think they care about Samoa Joe enough because he's got more title opportunity than Sammy. Samoa Joe is talented. He's he's heavyweight champion talented. And they've had numerous opportunities to put the belt on him, but just didn't want to. And Sami Zayn, listen, I'm not going to say he's a jobber, but listen, the talent's there. I'm just curious on what the direction is there. Speaking of talented, Dolph Ziggler turned into a very talented jobber. Look, excuse me, 
if you're not going to put him in more, because there's no real feuds that I can see him getting into, I don't really see him in any title contention. You know, either just send him home until you repackage him, or just let him go all together. I was not saying Dolph was terrible, but, you know, trying to find space on this roster. And, it'd be, and it's hard for me to when I look up and down the roster, and I go, well, who could you put him against? So, I'll be curious on that. And listen, Elias, one of the dudes I just love to see push, and he's with Shane McMahon. Listen, I understand people don't like the Shane McMahon angle. And, you know, and like I say, when I talk about SmackDown, I'm going to tell you why I think he's still there. But it doesn't hurt to have to be rubbed, you know, to be next to a McMahon. And Rey Mysterio, I think he's probably on the way out. And Andrade, you know, listen, to me, if you had to just sell me on something, him or Drew McIntyre could win the whole thing. I think that those two, for two different reasons, could win the tournament. Because if, I truly do feel, if you give it to Drew McIntyre, that enhances the feud that you can build with Seth Rollins. If you give it to Andrade, it solidifies the talent. And it solidifies his star. And, and, I, and I don't want people to think that he's getting because he's dating Charlotte Flair. He's really talented. When I think of Cedric Alexander, listen, I want to talk about that Cedric Alexander back time. That was the best match on the show. They put on a great show and they're having them both in the King of the Ring. I like to see how far Cedric goes because then they're giving him that push. They're pushing a lot of dudes. And I think that's good for the business. You're using that mid card very well, making him with the, you know, main eventer and Drew McIntyre. That works. And listen, you know, listen, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, I guess I didn't get the memo. Nobody tweeted me or DM me and nobody sent me a message. I guess they're baby faces now? I guess. Okay. As for the Kabuki Warriors, I'm like, just break them up. Because, listen, you gave them, they have multiple time opportunities. Just like, listen, they could be the female version of Samoa Joe. Listen, if you don't want to put the belt on, don't. But don't keep teasing us and teasing us if you're not. Because it's not fair to them and it's not fair to us. Individually, they're talented. But they, there was no real space for them. Now, if you put them on the SmackDown women's roster individually, potential. But the reason is, is a lack of female tag in that tag team division. So, like Bliss and Cross, listen, they threw them together. Forget that whole thing, you know, with Bailey. You forget that. And they're tag team champions. So, so once again, the point is, is that I don't know what they're going to do with them. But. If you're not going to do anything with them, break them up or do something. And, you know, for Raw, I took away, like, Braun Strowman. Listen, he came out there and saved Seth Rollins from the attack from, you know, him, Seth Rollins, and VOC. And he's getting a title shot, a huge title shot, uh, next, on Monday. And listen, I'm, I've been high on Braun, and he's getting a huge, listen, I always say this. This, to me, shows that, okay. We can put the U.S. belt on him, but not the heavy. And I'm just put a belt on this thing. Like when you put that tag team belt, you gave you only had the belt for one night. You teamed with Nicholas, probably a Hall of Famer, and and that was it. I would like to see. Listen, I right now, if you do put him in a feud, you could have a feud with him. You could have. You could have something. Braun is the guy in the rock I look at and say, I really like him. But you know, if the backstage stuff is true, then I understand. But, but listen, this is the same. Listen, Vince is the same dude. He could be no worse than what Brock Lesnar was. In fact, what Brock Lesnar did was probably worse. So that's not an excuse because Braun is talented enough and you should push him as such. And as far as SmackDown goes, listen, Shane McMahon, I think the reason why he's still there let it play out another couple of weeks and then they just write him off. I guess they'll put him back in his role as what he initially is. As the guy running SmackDown. So there's no SmackDown general manager. There's no this page left and manage the Kabuki Warrior. So if you want to put him in that role, just I don't want to see him I don't want to see him in the ring. 
I don't. And Kevin Owens, well, he won SummerSlam, so then King of the Ring, where do they progress with him? And I don't think right now, a new feud is right now. I think he and Shane fine together there. And listen, Charlotte Flair, I'm just going to simply go out and say she could be your next SmackDown Women's Champion. Because look, I think WWE's been trying to fight it. They, they, they listen to, they listen to, you know, pundits, if you want to call them that. They listen to radio, they listen to the media. Listen, you can't fight it. It's just like with Tom Brady. You don't like Tom Brady, why? Because he's successful. Charlotte Flair wins. She, you look up and down the roster, who would you put the belt on? They didn't do it to Ember Moon at SummerSlam. So who else are they going to put the belt on logically? Ember Moon, I think she should have won at SummerSlam. That could have been a nice little thing to, oh, well, Charlotte beats the women's champion. Like, okay. But with Bailey, I think maybe I'm the only one in the room that's missing something. Is that they teased the heel, the tweener, and now she's big. Listen, I think they rewarded her for not doing what Sasha Banks did, who we'll talk about. But I think that time is up. You know, like I say, see Daniel Bryan rolling. You know, I wonder what the announcement is with Daniel Bryan. And rolling being on television, that's very good for him. Roman Reigns, he got a new contract, I think a new beginning, I think, you know, once we solve the great mystery of who, you know, that will be the person he's going to do with, and I'm not exactly sure who it is, if it's not Daniel Bryan, you got me, Buddy Murphy, keep the push, like I said, him, you know, when he fought Roman Reigns, SmackDown, like that, that was the best match of SmackDown, listen, the four dudes who fought in the match, listen, Cedric Alexander, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, Buddy Murphy, listen, Buddy, people that Buddy Murphy said it, they were 205 live, and they're fighting two main eventers and the two best matches across the shows. That's all you need to know about how high I think they're on Cedric and Buddy. The New Day Revival, right now they're the top three tag teams across both shows. Listen, I understand you want to put the OC in there, but look, I still need to see them more. Like, listen, people are like, look, you know, the Usos, I don't know what's going to happen there. That kind of me puts them down. And I put the OC in at three. But the New Day and the Revival are right there. And, and like I say, Orton and Kofi, listen, pushing this feud is good for business. Don't listen to what people tell you, like, oh, we don't see him on television. No, it's great for television. And like I said when I tweeted out, I necessarily didn't like the ending at SummerSlam. But... It keeps the feud going because they don't know who else to feud Kofi. This is an organic feud. This I'm not saying it should last a year, but this, you could push this to the end of the year. If you do it or end it sometime before, you can push this for a long time. Speaking of things you're pushing for a long time, I've been pushing for Sasha Banks to come back. You heard me, you know, you know, coding tweet about this come back at SummerSlam. She came back on Raw. The Raw Women's Division needed, division needed a shake-up. Listen, outside of Becky Lynch, no Lacey Evans to be found. They needed a shake-up. And there's no disrespect to Nikki Cross and Lexa Bliss. But you needed that, excuse me, that second, excuse me, I apologize, that second star and that Sasha Banks. Listen, Natalia, no knock on Natty, but I think that Listen, I, what happened at SummerSlam happened, and and I truly do believe that having Sasha Banks, would they pull the trigger on something like that? Yeah, I think they would. They would give the belt to Sasha. I could absolutely, unequivocally see that. And am I gonna say it once and I'll say it again? Heel Sasha is better than babyface Sasha. Listen. She's one of the more, one of the more organic and natural, one of the more organic heels ever. Just like I say, when Bailey feuded with Sasha, of course Sasha was going to be. Of course. And anybody who thought of babyface Sasha, listen, I just didn't work with me. And listen, 
I'm not for title like tag team title one with Bailey, but heel Sasha was going to come out and it needed to come out, and I'm glad it did. And I truly do believe a match between her and the man could headline a a, a, a pay per view. You know, in the same way that Becky Lynch headlined WrestleMania with Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair, I think this match could headline a, a pay per view. It's that good. Thing of that good, you know, goodness, we're heading to the last segment with my big picture, and that's next on Sports and the World. And welcome back into the final segment here of Sports and the World. And if you stuck with me this long, I truly do appreciate it. Social media one more time is at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram, and the Facebook page is at is Sports and the World. And there I will once again update and let you know that when this season of Sports in the World will end for the regular shows, the football edition will now be a separate season. Because we're we're going to our fifth, it'll be our fifth episode on Tuesday. So that season will continue, and this one will probably end more than likely in about two episodes this season. But this won't be shut down, but the season will end and probably pick up maybe sometime at the end of this year, next year. Once again, I'll keep you informed and updated on that as well. And now I want to get into my big picture. Now, in the first segment to kick off this episode, I talked about relationships. And I talked about the importance of creating and forming relationships. Now, no matter the relationship, whether it's friendship, marriage, you know, whether you're, you know, you're dating, you're just, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 boyfriend, boyfriend, wherever this, you know, you know, the relationship is, there has to be a sense of love. And, and that's where my big picture is because I think sometimes we lose sight that do we love the people we're with or we're around or do we see them as a means to an end do we see them as well I settled you know but at the end of the day if you don't love if you don't love the person you're with if you don't love your job if you don't love your circle that's around you, then, you know, I say don't do it. Because that you, everybody's love, you know, it's what drives them. It's what I say, teachers may not get paid the best, but they love what they do. And that's what the important, they love their job. They love the children, they love the interaction. So love is an element of relationship, whether it's unavoidable. So, with that, I went to to a great website, The Learning Line, and they had eight facts about relationships based on scientific research. And this came out August of 2017, so it's not that far off. Still has relevancy, just like we talked about relationships. So the first fact is that love is not the same as lust. Now, that sounds obvious, like Captain Obvious, but here's the thing. Brain scans show that lustful feelings light up the reward and motivation areas, whilst love is processed in the empathy and caring regions. So your brain is a huge element, and this is the thing. Everything great starts in the mind. It's the thing that I always carry with me, is that everything that's great. And everything in general starts in the mind. And listen, your brain knows when you see that man or woman walking down the street and you know, you're like, hey, you see, that's your motivation, your reward. I want him or her. That's your lust. Your love. You feel that empathy and you care because you care for and that, listen, and that's applicable once again to your 
relationship, if you want them, you think that you want to, like, you know, you know, with your friend, then that's just, you know, that's not your friend. That's whatever you want to call it. But if you see them and you hang out with them and you there's that empathy, you relate to them, you care for them, that's love. A quintessential example is one night stands. When people say, oh, I love him or her, I'm like, okay, let's, let's pull back on that. Because, listen, there's been many stories where love gets formed from one night stands. But people do not go into one night stands looking to find a spouse or a partner. Let's be clear on that. So, to furthermore, this suggests what I mentioned about the different areas of the brain scan, that feelings of love are more associated with compassion and understanding. Lust is fueled by incentives and drawn behavior. Here's the thing. And driven behavior, excuse me. Here's the thing. Your brain will automatically know what you want. Your heart is great. Your gut is great. But your mind knows exactly what you want. You can try to convince your brain that, oh, my heart says your stomach says, but ultimately your brain knows what you want. If you see that man or woman across that room, you're like, man, I love her. I want to be with her. Him or her. Plus it's like, man, what do I have to do to get with her? And you're driven to get her. That's lust. And listen, people get it confused all the time and that's fine. But remember, when you love something, and must think of it this way, it's need versus want. Do you need that person in life or you just want? That's something to think about when we consider the concept of love. Number two, love at first sight. You know, per the research, it takes a fifth of a second for the brain to start reacting when it sees the love of its life. So you know, first impressions. You know, with the first impression, usually 15, 30 seconds, but your brain will know the fifth of a second whether that's the person you love. And I listen. I'm not saying that's entirely true who for me to not science but what I'm simply conjecturing here is, is that when you see someone look let's be honest you know what you want your brain once again your brain will know before any part of your body your brain controls everything else it's, it's the engine of your body which is why I say everything great that starts with mind Every car started by, every car has an engine. You need to start the engine. So you can argue it's the engine of the body. And so, like I say, friendship, you can You see someone, you're like, oh man, I could, that's a friend. Or you're like, man, I see this. Your brain will quickly know what you want in the fifth of a second with that person. Next, it's in his or her kiss. This is strictly relationship. I ain't gonna try to convert that friendship. I'm not. I'm, uh, listen, I'm not getting into that. But <laughs> women rate a man's kiss and say that it is an important part at the start of a relationship. Listen, I've heard that science backs it up. Listen, not everybody's great kiss. Some people, some people kiss like fish. Some people kiss like you know. Listen, some people kiss sloppy kisses. You know, listen, I'm not gonna go into kiss. I'm not gonna. Full discretion, I should, have, I should have said this at the top of this segment. I am not a love expert. But, listen, once again, first impressions, your first interaction, you kiss somebody, when they say sparks fly, that's kind of true. Next, these are four things that couples should never do. Criticize, show contempt, be defensive, and stonewall. Listen, when you ask somebody a question and listen, they stonewall you, they can be overcome defensive, you know, okay. If you you try to introduce a concept to somebody in a relationship, you know, 
they'll criticize it or show contempt. Basically, it's be closed-minded. I'm not saying be open-minded. I'm not saying Fifty Shades of Grey type stuff here. What I'm saying is, you know, explore something different. You know, variety spice of life, once again, I'm not saying buffet, you go, I'm not saying that. What I'm simply saying is, is, is that we have to understand is that that listen, we can't criticize and just show contempt just because something you don't agree with. And if someone, you know, you bring up and you bring up said idea, listen, don't be defensive and stonewall. Just be open-minded to it. Don't say you had to like the idea. Don't say you had to love it. But listening, the relationship, listen, just listen. And this one goes without saying, it takes hard work to keep a relationship going. Look, I'm going to be real quick with this. Couples are supportive of their partner, and these at least the long-term relationships. That's friendships. That's marriage. That's business relationship. It takes hard work to keep it going. Because, well, people say, well, why are you not in a relationship? Quite frankly, some people aren't willing to put in the time and the effort. And it kind of, I kind of alluded to relationships. You, you have to be able to open up the communication lines. You have to do things that, quite frankly, you know, support. Listen, you're not going to support everything you do, but there's some things that you can support them to do to be the best you that you can, to be the best you that you can be, to help them be the best them that they can something to think about number six watching chick flicks can improve your life simple it's couple things you couples there you can talk through this listen i love the notebook to me i can argue a notebook is probably a top 10 15 movie i've seen it's not because i love rachel McAdams, but it's a very good film you can talk about it just listen that's the goal you know for a lot of people that's the goal to be the person you want to be with the rest of your life. That's the goal. For some. So, if you want that, listen. It's not going to hurt to watch it. Don't say you don't like it, but you're with the person. You can talk through it. And listen, you can learn from one another. Couples look more similar after 25 years together. And that's something, and this is important because, listen, you're going to do the same things together. Or you're going to have the same routine. So, you're going to start to look like, oh, you're going to see your wife, your your partner work out. You may pick up a weight and lift you. Sometimes habits rub off on each other. Positive habits like diet, your environment. You're doing things together. So I'm not saying you're going to look like another. Listen, two dolphins look like another, one another. Two people look like one another. Listen, those are called twins. But what they're trying to say is that you look like each other, not just in the, maybe in the physical sense but in the mental and the emotional sense. You're on the same page. You're doing the same things. And that's not boring. It's, it's productive. And lastly, ditch ditch the grand gestures. Look, focus on the small stuff. Washing dishes, you don't have to be asking. Walking the dog when it's snowing. You know, I would do that. But, listen, maybe I would. But the point here is this. Focus on, always look at things from a whether it's sports or the world, I look at it from working from the from the bottom to the top, not the top to the bottom. Because top-down processes work, but bottom-up processes. You get to see, you work on things. You work on the details here to get to here, the detail, and it leads you to there. And simply put, a relationship, you're not going to start at the top, at the bottom. Doing the little stuff leads to bigger stuff. Like, for the most part, relationships, sometimes people fall out of love because of small stuff. Like, you know, they ill refuse to stop playing video games every day. Or, like, they refuse to, hey, hey, won't your partner play video games? Something to do together. Or, better yet, like, wash the dishes. Or cook dinner. Simple stuff. Like, you don't have to go get a dozen roses every day. You look pretty suspicious. But the point is, is that just like every one of these facts, at the end of the day, you have to understand that between 
you love someone, you can't love, you can love, you got to love them. You know, maybe not necessarily at first sight. Kissing, sure. But listen, don't be, listen, be open-minded. Put in the work. You know, watch a couple of chicks, you know, watch a chick flip. It's not going to hurt you. You know, and then you'll start to see that you're going to not maybe look the same, but you're going to feel the same. And that makes, and then hopefully that feeling is good. And, and listen, take out the trash. Wash the dishes. Listen, I'm not, listen, if Dr. Phil, listen, may not be a real doctor, I don't know. But the point is, is that that's how you grow. No matter what the relationship is, no matter what it is, you have to be willing to put in the work to do so. You have to be willing in to, one of the things I talked about, I harped on was sacrifice. You know, I have friendships over 20 years. And, you know, you have to sacrifice things, whether it's time. Time's important. And you and you have to devote yourself. Not necessarily to that person, but when it's their need, you listen to them. Listen, that doesn't sound like marriage. It is a part of marriage, but it's not like your best friend. Your biggest part. Listen, people want to be loved and listened to. And people will reciprocate that. And what I'm going to reciprocate to you is to thank you for listening to this edition of Sports and the World. Thank you for taking time to listen. And until, until you hear my voice again, be real, be you, and be blessed. And I'll see you next time where you and I together along this journey of sports and the world.